Guys, I made a 613 on the NPTE. That's a pass. That's a pass. That, that will count. That'll you know how you. I passed? Do you listen to Kyle Rice? I cheated. But oh. I also <laughs> listen to Kyle Rice. <laughs> the PT Hustle. He has a lot of great content. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to on the drive to the Prometric Center was the NPTE Clinical Files. He also has a great NPTE playbook that I purchased, and that helped a lot. Um, most of all, it was the mindset skills that he helped teach me through the videos. Really gave me a lot of confidence going in there. I waited a little bit too late to start prepping, maybe about eight or six weeks out, maybe even six weeks out, maybe even about four weeks out, to re- maybe about three weeks out, maybe maybe about like two days before to really get after the NPT studying. Most people you say you should say like you should start like twelve weeks out. I waited a little bit too late, but Kyle Rice was there to be like, "Son, I got you." He's not my dad. I just use son for him to be like as a father figure, but basically Kyle Rice made the NPTE my son. That's how I, I t- messaged him on Facebook the day before the exam. I was like, Kyle, I need you to come on and give me a pep talk tomorrow morning before this exam. And being the real dude that he is, got on, did a live. So if you're not in his group, you got to join his group on Facebook. Name of the group? It's Kyle Rice, the PT Hustle. And it's the group, not the actual page, because he's got both. So join the group. He does all of his questions on there, does the live stream through it, and he'll give you a little pep talk before and after the exam because you're going to walk out of the exam feeling like shit. He's so entertaining, too, to listen to. So much fun. And he's you both like the Steelers, so that's good for you. That is true. He understands. So thank you, Kyle. Yes. And if you want to yes. learn more about how we, how we did on our uh, NPT, there's a podcast for that. But there's a better podcast you should listen to to prep for NPT. That's NPT Clinical Files. And check out theptHustle.com for more info on Kyle Rice and how he can help you pass the most important test of your life. 613. It's kind of one of those things, it's like the duck. You know, you see a duck in the water, right? The duck looks like it's cool, but the duck's freaking working hard under the water. Wow, working hard, working hard. That's how hard places. We look cool, but we're working hard. Your last post. Oh, yeah. All of your posts have been speaking like right to my feels. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, dude. Yeah, the- that one. There's so much more I could have said in that post that I even didn't say. But mm-hmm. yeah. What'd you What'd you leave out? Uh, gosh, you have to give me a minute to think about what I left out. Probably okay. some some words about people who think that um, that calling yourself a doctor is like bad for the patient, and I just completely disagree. Yeah. yeah. There's there are a couple of people who, in the comments who felt like you know it's a little bit. It borders on the line of unethical, and I just like I'm always a little bit baffled about that conversation. They're saying it's uneth. They're saying it's unethical to call yourself a doctor. I think that there are there are practitioners who maybe are a little unethical about it. Maybe use it. Um, I don't want to say like a smoke and mirror, but a little bit. I'm sure there are. You know, like chiropractors do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think right after graduation, that was probably the coolest thing to be like, guess what? Today I'm a doctor. It's a big fucking deal. It's yeah. A big deal. Yeah. 
Um, and my, I, my parents actually, they didn't pressure me into it, but they kind of really pushed me towards it because of that. And I was like, oh, I don't need it. You know, I've already got my master's. I'm like grandfathered in. Um, but in hindsight, I'm really glad that they did because it meant a lot to me after it was finished. <laughs> you guys are down south though, right? Where are you? Southeast? We're Austin. So oh, we're Austin. Oh, okay. We're in the coolest. Where did you go uh, to school though? Did you go in Florida? To school in Florida? Maybe I'm mixing you up with somebody else. Oh, so we, we went to the St. Augustine school, but they have one in yeah. Austin now. Yeah, that's where my husband Elliot went. Oh, cool. In Florida though. The, yeah. the real one. The yeah. OG campus. Yeah. How do you, have you always lived in Seattle? No, I grew up in Illinois. I went to school in St. Louis, at St. Louis University. Um, I've lived here for nine and a half years, almost 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Is the, wait, which PT school did you go to again? St. Louis University. Is that the Sarman one? No. Slew. No. Slew. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was. Well, okay. Washington. Oh, yeah. So there's WashU. Washington, yeah, Washington. Yes, they're like Sarman. And then we were, you know, we learned it. Yeah. We learned Mulligan too. And not Mulligan, uh, McKenzie. We're McKenzie based, but mm-hmm. we learned Sarman stuff. Who was your in PT school, right? When you're like, I don't want to say unconscious, competent, but like <laughs> yeah, when, <unconscious. laughs> when you're when you're in it and you're like just figuring out stuff. And then you come across a philosophy or like a guru or person. Who was your first person to be like, oh, that's my jam. I've fucked with these people. They got it. Or did you have them at all? No, I didn't. I feel very fortunate. Um, I feel like our school was, you know, they taught us McKenzie, but it wasn't ever like, this is it type of mentality. It was very much an open vibe. Um, And I, I had an internship out here in Seattle and I came across what was it? Muscle energy technique with yeah. through my, my mentor at the time. And I, that was like, this is like woo woo bullshit to me. I, I didn't understand it at all. He was trying to help me understand how to feel like how your C spine moves. And like, yeah. I just was like, this is, I, I decided right then and there, I would never be a manual based therapist. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't make sense to me. So I got kind of fortunate in that sense that I had already come into my internships with a fairly open mind and then came across something that just didn't make sense. And pain science was the only time that I was like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> yeah. And that happened. I came across pain science on my own uh, probably like six years ago. Yeah. Who was your gateway into that? It was actually a patient and uh, not a patient. Well, sort of. So it was the result of a patient not getting better that made me like dig into research on pain. And um, I think I came across an article that was a Lorimer and um, David article. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but it was like, what, this doesn't make any sense. And then I had to read more. So I cross-referenced and fell down a deep rabbit hole. And lo and behold, like five years later, I'm still loving it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a, uh, who's your ideal client that you like to work with on a regular basis? Uh, female runners are probably my ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see probably, uh, I would say 80% of my patient population are women. Um, not like pelvic health. I'm not a pelvic health therapist. Um, and then probably from there, about 70% of those people are runners. 
Yeah. Have you always been a runner? Fit women. I mean, I, I played soccer in college, so I was a soccer player for the longest time and you get pretty good at running (laughs) doing that. So then after I graduated, it was like, you know, running was kind of like what I was good at already. So I kept with it, but never at a competitive level. It was just for fun. And now I just do everything like to stay active. Yeah. You're yeah. a runner too. You're in, you're among fam here. I kind of, I kind of was like forced into running through occupation. I, I mean, I grew up playing <laughs> sports. I played soccer and I was the running back and yeah. <laughs> in, in a graduating class of 40. Yeah. Half of those being males. You're good. So yeah. I, was, I was the ideal candidate. Um, what sort of things would you tell runners out there that you see can, you know, usually typically over and over again, especially when it comes to females? Um, I think, I think the biggest thing that I see with runners is they get told to stop running too soon. Um, and that's across the board, but with women, there's other nuances. And I think it has a lot more to do with like their body, their body type, how their body is shaped. I think that type of message and narrative is, is in poor form. Like if you, in the course that I teach, I'm always trying to help people understand, focus on things you can change. You can't change the structure of somebody like that's their structure. You can't change you know, what their shape is. Like we shouldn't be highlighting those for women. We already have enough, almost of a, like a mirror there all the time. We don't need more of that. So, um, yeah, that's like, I wrote an article for the runner's world and some of what I talked about was that like, yeah, hip width has nothing to do with why you experience pain. Like that just should not be a factor in what we tell people. How much, because it's hard when you're talking to a patient, especially when somebody's in pain and they want to go to that place where, you know, I, I feel pain when I'm running and it's because of my leg length discrepancy or it's because my hip's <laughs> out. And I went, I saw somebody like two years ago and they did a thing and it put uh, it back in place and then I was good. And then I ran yeah. a couple, I did this marathon and then they hit me. How, because it's so easy to, to go for buy-in automatically and be like, you know what? Your hip is out. That's, yeah. that's fucking it. Let me do this thing. Boom. You're good. How do you, is that a struggle for you? Or do you you're just like, no, Jared, you're stupid. You just, you don't no, go down that route. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm in a sort of a privileged position now because now I can, I can say without shame, like that's bullshit. I can be like what that person told you is inaccurate and it's not serving you. That, of course, depends on the person because some people are really attached to those narratives and you can sense it. You can tell like, you know, when they when they're like really hanging on to that and that's like defined their circumstance. And usually that's a moment where I'm just going to try and poke holes in their narrative. You know, tell me more about that. Why do you think that is? You know, like what? Do you think that would be true for somebody of scoliosis? Do you think they have more experiences of pain than you? Do you think they're more prone to injury? And like trying to find out what their reasoning process is. Um, There have been occasions where I've, you know, I don't want to say the word fired, but where I've effectively told a client, like, we're not going to do well together. Let's find you somebody else who will help you because I, I draw pretty hard lines for myself. I'm not willing to go down those roads just to appease their own narrative. I, 
you know, I just don't feel good about doing that. I don't think it serves them in the long run. In the short run, they might feel great, but if that's a story they're going to keep telling themselves for the next 20 years, then they're going to continue to be fed through the medical system. Yeah. And you're an out-of-network cash practitioner, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's such a cool uh, ability or that self-awareness to be able to fire a patient, yeah. right? Um, cause if that's something, cause we're in an insurance based practice right now. And so it might be, you get looked on upon, I guess a little differently when it's, um, a bit like big corporate places, mm-hmm. but you know, you, I'd like Ellie to, to kind of speak on this, especially from a new grad, you know, uh, as a new grad, you almost have that mindset, Oh, I need to help everybody. Or you can't fire a patient. You need to work with them. And if, and if they don't get better, it's your fault, but it's like, it's so empowering to be able to sit down, especially somebody that you know isn't going to be a good fit for your personality yeah. and be like, you know what, we're not, I don't think we're going to do good together. Bye. Or yeah. Somebody else. And I think more people need to do that. What would you say? I would, I totally agree. Um, you know, part of the reason that I left the insurance model is because I was burning out. And I think part of the reason, well, the volume is one thing, you know, lots of volume of patients and they're, you know, in the, in the medical system there, it's like set up, to medicalize them. <laughs> you know, they come from the doctor who gave them a narrative that's like, you're broken, you need to be fixed, you need to be in PT for this amount of visits. If it, if it doesn't work for some reason, then we're gonna have surgery. Well, that sets the person up immediately to fail. So like, it, I think right now we're, as therapists, we're put in a tough position all the time in either scenario because you're combating against the whole big conglomerate system and people's beliefs about what that is. And as a therapist, you're also told like, if you don't make numbers, then we're, you know, you're, you could be putting the clinic in a bad situation. And so you're trying to, yeah, you could be fired. I know young therapists who've been fired because of that, you know, so it's tough, but, um, I think as a profession, we need to like uphold these standards for ourselves. And, um, you know, that's hard to do when you're not being paid what you're worth and when you're denied claims and all of these things. So um, I don't really know the right answer, but I personally did not believe in just trying to get patient buy-in just because and compromising my values to do that and compromising what the evidence says to do that. So that's partly why I switched to the cash model because I, I knew that about myself and I knew that if I were going to stay in this profession long-term, I needed to protect me. Like I matter in this circumstance. And so now I'm fortunate enough that I can just truly speak my mind and it is a little risky at times. Like, but I, I have found that the patients who come to see me now, they're not, they're not ever upset to hear those things. They're like, thank God. <laughs> thank you. I agree. Somebody finally is telling me exactly how I feel. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's tough because I think, well, I think I personally draw hard lines, but I know that it's not always easy to do when you're a young therapist and, you know, in certain environments. Yeah. That's so much better for your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I learned pain science, it was like game over for me. This is what's going to keep me in the profession because now it's not my responsibility to fix people. (laughs) It was like, 
very much uh, an eye-opening thing that it was completely outside of my control, completely to, you know, with my hands, with exercise prescription, that it was much more complex than that. And that gave me, I don't know, this sense of freedom to be like, I don't, like, I'm not going to fix everybody. That's fine. I was able to let go of that pressure that I felt myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Quick shout outs to Trace and Jeremy for hopping on. What's up, y'all? What's, What's up, guys? On? Big, big go. shout out to Jeremy who hooked all, he, because of yeah. him, all this is possible. What's up, Jeremy? Uh, long time lurker, first time uh, joiner. It's, it's good to be here, <laughs> where, where are you calling from, buddy? I know. To Georgia. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a question for uh, Dr. Alley? Oh man, dude, actually you, I've got a little list right here. Um, you kind of, you kind of hijacked my first one, which is good. Um, but uh, piggybacking off of your, your answer, just then Ellie, um, was there, was there one certain event or was it just a culmination of micro events that kind of led you to just say, uh, screw it. I'm, I'm tired of the cognitive dissonance. Um, I, I, I need to do something else. Yeah. Uh, definitely more than just one event. Um, I, I was frustrated about a lot of different things. And I think the patient care side and Jeremy, you know, we worked at Seattle Children's together. It's a pretty decent environment to work in. Um, pretty progressive, uh, pretty like, you know, everybody's trying to stay up on the evidence and that sort of thing. And whether it's actually put into practice is still a little bit unclear, but, um, I was, I was just frustrated by feeling stagnant in my position. Um, I was frustrated to not have the ability to create as well as I thought I would. And, you know, over years and years of working, you just see how it goes. Like you eventually get to the point where you're like, this is how it goes. Somebody comes to see me. I evaluate them. I'm going to see them a couple times a week for a few weeks until they get better. You know, maybe the doctor will say continue PT. Um, and I was ready to like, just drop a bomb on my life. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was, I was also admittedly really frustrated with some of the sexism that I felt in the workplace environment. Um, my husband is also a physical therapist who has less experience than me and he's been paid more from the get go. Um, he's also had quicker and faster opportunities for growth up the proverbial ladder, um, which is great for both of us. But at the time it was like, this, this sucks. Like, you know, I, I want to move up. I want to progress things. I want to make change. I want to be influencing people and in their decision-making. And I felt like that wasn't possible in the environments that I was in. So hence, you know, just drop a bomb on my life and <laughs> start a practice and <laughs> yeah fall into the black hole that is private practice. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Can't yeah. wait for that. It's fun, for sure. I was going to ask if you felt comfortable with it, some other examples of uh, sexism that you encountered in physical yeah. therapy. Because I don't, for some reason, as a man, I don't, I don't hear a lot about it, at least online. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is. But but in generally, in physical therapy, I, I've, I've, in this clinic, we've seen some shit go down. From it was more from patients, from patients harassing, interacting with right. professionals, not yeah. so much PT on PT, not no. so much a PT PT no. thing. <laughs> I squeeze all my male co-workers on the ass, yes, that's but right. you guys like it. <laughs> it's a good game. I, 
<laughs> After, every time Tyler does a thoracic minute, I'm like, oh, that was good. Yeah. That was good. Uh, Clap on the ass. Nice job. Yeah. I thought that was exactly thought that's yeah, how the culture is supposed to be around here. So, but my CI did. Okay. Me. Let's get back to her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my first year out, um, I had a male colleague slap me in the ass. Oh, <laughs> my Call the kettle black. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. So you nailed that one right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was, you know, and that was my first year. And I like, I didn't know what to do or what to think. I, you know, you, you, as a woman, you've been sexually harassed your whole life. Everybody has at some point experienced something like that. Um, but as a professional, it's, it's new. It was totally new. It was like this, you just don't expect that to happen as a professional. Um, and especially from your professional colleagues. Um, so immediately I didn't say anything. I just got really pissed off and I was like, don't you ever do that again? I'll report you. Um, and it has like for sure stuck with me ever since then. Uh, you know, as, as a professional working with clients in the outpatient setting, I pretty much had a clean experience. Um, I had one gentleman who, you know, he wanted always to be in a private room and he wanted me massaging his back with the door shut, like legit. And like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, um, on the professional side, <clears throat> you know, when you look, this is like a perfect example of when I just started to get fuel going about this whole sexism thing um, was when Medbridge started and Medbridge started maybe like, I don't know, six or seven years ago, maybe longer than that when I found Medbridge and you look at the courses of the sports medicine. And at the time it was pretty much 90% male colleagues who were teaching those courses, you know? And so these little subtle things that you see over time um, at, at one of my jobs, it was, I felt very much that the, my male colleagues were preferred and that they were given better opportunities faster with less evidence of work and quality. So you see that stuff over time and then you have a husband who's, you know, in the same profession with less experience and makes more and sure it, it kind of hits you like the, the only difference here is the sex difference. So, um, yeah. And then now with the world of social media, it's like a whole, it's almost like magnified, you know, it's really hard as a woman on social media to get any sort of attention and, um, get people to notice your work. And then you're like, am I doing it wrong? And there's all kinds of things that go into that, but definitely feels like men are more likely to get the followers and, um, to attract the attention, um, for reasons that I still don't completely understand. So. Yeah, it's real. The shit's real. <laughs> no, I made this whole no. male circumstance <laughs> so uncomfortable. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's it's so real. And they, thanks for for going there, because I think we need to have that that constant reminder. Um, God, it sucks. What <laughs> What are some things? How How do we change that? How do we be a good male ally to that? Besides, maybe stop slapping. Tyler on the ass every time he does a manip. Yeah, I th I do think it's kind of <laughs> hard to do the whole 
if a patient does something weird to another therapist, female therapist, to interject, do you go, it's not your patient, do you like go run up and be like, hey, you mother... Well, I mean, so, you know, we, like, how do you, how do you help in that situation? So we had, we had one incident where that happened to uh, a P or PTA was, was verbally sexually harassed uh, by an older client. Um, I didn't, I didn't hear it happen. He's, he, he was, a, he was my patient um, and he wasn't even working with the PTA at the time, but I, just, I was, I didn't catch that, that glimpse. Um, he, she was working on her knees with a patient and then the dude walked by and said, uh, Oh, you look better on your knees. Some shit like that. Oh God. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't hear it happen. Um, I was told later and I got super fucking pissed and then wanted to fuck the old dude up. (laughs) But also this is an old dude that like fell and had busted his face off a high, high table. I wasn't working here at the point, so I wasn't, I didn't have to do that paperwork. That's another story. That's another story, but fuck that guy anyway. Um, but you, you discharged him, right? I, yeah. But he had been here for a while. He had been here for a while. I had, what I if it's his first him? week? So yeah, I had, a, I had a pretty easy out to be like, hey, next visit, guess what? You're good, bye, discharge. Um, <laughs> funny enough, you've met all your goals. But that is, how would, you, how would, fuck, that's, can you go with that? So you have a patient. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. And yeah, that you witness something wrong go down. Like, yeah. Is that what you're proposing? I mean, yeah. you step in. You have to step in. And I think that, like, you know, as a woman, we want to be like our own advocates. And sure, some of us are able to speak up and say that's not okay. But I really think that in a power circumstance, the person with more power has to step in. And you have to speak up and say, no, that's not okay. You can't talk to her that way. I appreciate it if I, you know, we see you out, whatever it is, talk to the manager, whatever. Um, I, I think that it's uncomfortable for everybody. It's certainly uncomfortable to step in on those situations. Um, but in the clinic, in the professional setting, like people in power need to be the ones to step in and say, that's not okay. Um, Cause then, then the other person knows like they can't do that again. And sure a woman could say it, but whether or not that other male thinks that, you know, I don't know. I think that a lot of times creepy dudes are just creepy dudes. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not going to think anything of it. If I get mad, like when I got mad at my colleague, you know, he stopped, but that didn't make him less creepy, you know? He was yeah. still creepy as hell the whole time I was there. Whereas if, if maybe a male had stepped in and been a little bit more threatening, he might've turned that creep vibe off. Like there are just things that you feel as a woman that you may not notice as a man. Yeah. And like the initial, I imagine the initial shock of like her hearing that word of being slapped on the ass. You kind of get frozen. Like, oh, I can't believe that just fucking happened. And you yeah. can't turn around and fucking punch the dude. That's, that's the last thing you'd expect to happen in, in what we've been taught is a, a professional work environment. And it's, it's uncanny that you guys mentioned situations like this. I, I had something in, in quote unquote clinic, uh, it happened just the other week. Um, new caveat for you, Ellie. So <laughs> I'm, I'm covering at a retirement facility a couple of days out of the week now, in addition to my, 
normal outpatient ortho side of the world duties. And uh, I, I have a rehab aide and I also currently have a, a student. And uh, there's an important caveat to what went down, but uh, basically working with the older gentleman, memory impaired and out of the blue, talking about our rehab aid said something along the lines of like, Oh yeah, I remember about that time we had sex last week. And <laughs> it, no one really knew what to say. Yeah. Well, because you don't expect that to just come up out of the blue. Second of all, even if I had any of us had kind of stepped in and, and, and said, Hey, you can't do that. We're done for today. I mean, he, he, he literally wouldn't have remembered. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Minutes yeah. Later. I, I worked in a clinic for a little while that had, um, uh, like brain injured patients, patients with brain injuries. And, and those patients are, you know, depending on where their brain injury is, they can be a little bit more, uh, inappropriate, I guess you could say socially, and my experience doing that, and I worked with patients like that, was very much like you just bring it back down, you know, and you say, we don't talk about those things in here. And it's just like anything else, you're just providing a moment of teaching opportunity, like, hey, this behavior of yours is actually not socially acceptable. And here's my opportunity to show you that I'm not going to like chastise you or judge you or make you feel a lot of shame or something. Um, but I am going to bring you back down and say, this is the, the appropriate behavior for this rehab session. That fucking Ranchos number four. <laughs> that fucking Ranchos Los Amigos four. I'll punch the shit out of a TVI on Ranchos. Come to my clinic and say that shit. Um, yeah. yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. So as, as men in this profession, you know, Ugh. to be an ally is really not that complicated. Um, but it does involve intent and it involves a certain level of awareness. And I think like, it's very easy to not be aware, you know, like you, what's, why, why would you need to be, um, you know, if you have a certain level of empathy, I hope you just want to be, uh, so being an ally in this profession means like advocating for your female colleagues. It means talking to them and asking them questions on something you may not feel comfortable asking them questions on. Um, letting them exercise their voice. It means in a meeting, if they offer up some sort of opinion, you're not um, talking over them, interrupting them. You're saying, I really like what Sarah just said. You know, and just taking the opportunity to demonstrate that you value her in that setting like it can be huge you know I can't tell you the number of meetings I was in where it'd be like I'd say something and it'd be like nobody notices or says anything about it two minutes later a dude says something and they're like oh yeah and it was the exact same fucking thing I like that <laughs> like, Todd that Todd <laughs> yeah it's good. Todd, he's always Todd's coming good. up with good ideas I like that Todd you know, you just, you get to the point as a woman where you feel invisible in the professional setting. And I think as a male in our profession, it's trying to make women that you're surrounded by feel visible in some capacity and noticed and appreciated. Um, it's just all too easy for people to just wash over you because 
the presence you bring as a woman is probably not as dominant. And so, you know, maybe when I said what I said, it wasn't with a certain level of assertiveness. And maybe when he repeated exactly what I said, it was with more assertiveness. And that's why people noticed who knows what it was. Um, but it, what it meant to me was that everybody ignored what I said. <laughs> like, oh, now I don't get credit for what just happened, even though I was the one that said that first. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yeah. I know it's a tough topic. I appreciate no, this is the <laughs> opportunity so to talk about it. <laughs> and and Trace, if he's still alive uh, up oh, there in Georgetown, true. he uh, he works at the VA. I, have, I don't know if you can mention this on air, but do that any anything that you've noticed like that up in the VA that you've had to step so, in and be an ally? Yeah, so it's the majority of the people that I work with are older male vets, so it's kind of usually they're not too bad though. And the women that I work with, because I work with majority female clinicians and our lead is a female. So I don't know that it's, I don't know. I don't feel like we get that same vibe, but I feel like it's also a lot of chronic pain. So it's a little bit different than like working with athletes or someone who might be more willing to talk over somebody. And we have a bigger like acute care rotation and people don't usually talk shit when they're about ready to die. They usually kind of listen to whoever's like trying to help them. So yeah. I don't know. And like some of my biggest mentors in physical therapy are all female clinicians. So I've never, I don't know. I've never had that bias, I guess. Like I'd rather ask somebody if they're more experienced, whether it be male or female. And usually the females are better at explaining something without making me feel like an idiot. So I kind of like that. So I don't know. I've never, and especially if like a woman is well built and you can tell she's like a runner or something, I almost listen to her more. Cause it's like, I know guys have like testosterone, but you could get pretty jacked pretty quickly as a guy taking the right kind of stuff. I feel like for girls, it's a lot harder. So you have to respect that a little bit more. I don't know. You don't have the testosterone working in your body. So actually we do have testosterone. As much. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and when you, when women lift, we produce more testosterone. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think that you got to be a little bit careful using body again to like determine somebody's um, trustworthiness and uh, maybe intelligence as well. Um, so I'm very careful about how I talk about women in that capacity too, because when we turn it into those sorts of things, we say, I value her because she lifts. Well, what about the practitioner who's been out for 25 years and is helping people and not doing those things? Um, you know, I think we got to just be careful about that sort of stuff. And that's my way of like stepping in and being an ally for somebody else who maybe isn't a runner, who isn't lifting, who isn't doing those things. For sure. Trace, you just got scooted on testosterone, homie. I did. Bobby. Ah! Learn Sorry, your physiology, sorry. son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, men do have more testosterone, but women have it too. So that's cool. Great, great input, Trace. I didn't mean to, to make fun of you after that. Uh, question though, I deserve you know, it. I'm a jackass. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're you're going to be a better ally now. Uh, you know, I got to practice what I preach here. You know, it's like, sure, I can tell you all how to try and talk and 
how to be aware. And it is a sensitive thing. Like I am constantly working on how I talk about race. Um, you know, it's very easy to feel like you're going to say something wrong and you probably will. And that's fine. Um, just be open to the possibility that that's going to happen and correct yourself moving forward. Sure. Facts. <laughs> Tracy, do you have a question before we, we all make fun of you again? I think I forgot all of my questions. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Trey. I'm just kind of sitting here wallowing in my own I self-pity. Trace, <laughs> we all love you. We love you, Trace. Yeah. Man. Well, you've, Trace, you've been to Seattle, right? You could've, y'all could have hooked up. Yeah, I was right? actually just out like right next to your clinic. We went to the Fremont Brewery and I looked up oh. your clinic and it's like right next to it so (laughs) the best it's one of my favorite spots yeah it was cool we out there for like a week yeah it was we expected it to be like rainy because we went in april and we figured seattle in april we'd probably catch a bunch of rain but it was actually really nice like we only got maybe like an hour or two worth of bad weather yeah yeah that's pretty pretty awesome to get good weather around here and going to fremont brewery because it's all like outside seating yeah (laughs) So what moved you to Seattle from St. Louis? Because that's, that's a bit of a move. Yeah, so I actually, um, I had an internship out here when I was a student and fell in love with the area. But randomly, my first job I took was down in New Mexico in Las Cruces. So I worked in New Mexico for a year, sort of as like a soft entry into the profession, like, you know. I had $150,000 worth of loans. I wasn't sure how I was going to pay that off in a city environment. Um, So it was my way of like trying to figure my shit out before I moved to Seattle. So, yeah. I feel you. That's how. Nice. feel you on that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're a bear. Not fun. But I paid them off. Seven years. Paid them off. Oh, congrats on that. Yeah, what's, thank what's you. The, what's the math on that with the interest? Like, God <laughs> dang, putting I think, chunk yeah. of change in there. Yeah, I think when I finished, I was putting half of my paycheck every month at least. Yeah, that's what you, yeah, that's. It's uh, like two grand at least. Yeah. yeah. Do you recommend that? Is that the way to go? I mean, teach their own. It was like, it was like a hanging over me type of feeling, you mm. know? Um it just feels so shitty. And I like, you know, we, we bought a house and a house is way more expensive, but it doesn't feel like it's this dark cloud. Yeah. You can live in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actual <laughs> tangible thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to be really aggressive. My mom had recommended getting on the 10 year plan right away. And so I was already sort of accustomed to paying a lot every month. And once you get used to that, then it's, you know, it's pretty easy to find ways to save and put more money in and just funnel it in. And then when we got married, we didn't ask for gifts at all. We asked for money towards my student loans. Um, And that was like, once, once that happened, then it was like, it started to just shoot down and down and down. Awesome. Yeah. You know, you know, so I, I'm with a girl. I have a girlfriend right now. We, <laughs> You're like, should we get married? <laughs> yes. Like we, we both thought about like not going to be together, not get married. Perfect reason to get married right there. Are you just mm-hmm. wanting to get married? I'm going to propose tonight. From, I'm going to propose. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yes. Yes. Listen to this. What? She doesn't listen to the podcast. 
She'd be, she'd be totally down. <laughs> I'm not going to suggest getting married just to pay off your student loan. <laughs> just, to, just to ask here's, for money. For here's people. how it's going to go down. We're going to leave here. We're going to go back home. We're going to get on one knee. We say, babe. Do you have a ring? Ellie, no. No, no, ring. no. It's going to work. No. Like, Ellie said we should do this. You can't She'll use like, me. Who's Ellie? I'd like, don't worry about it. This is all going to work out. It's all going to work out. We're going to send invites to everybody we know and ask them for money so I can pay off my loans. Give them, a, like, a mathematical formula. Oh, if God. you just donate $5. Like, go fund me. Hell yeah. Go fund me. According to our invitation sliding scale, this is how yeah. much you should donate. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can get her family to do it, too. I mean, have you monetized the podcast? Maybe that's, that's another oh, opportunity. Oh, oh. oh that yeah. sounds a little bit more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> looking for quick money here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, are you up in Seattle, too? Uh, not anymore. So I actually, my wife and I left the Seattle area about seven, eight months ago. So we're in Augusta, Georgia now. Did you get married for the same reason? Uh, to pay off debt? Absolutely yeah. not. Oh. Still <laughs> under a soul crushing amount of it, but okay. we're in it together. <laughs> her debt is now, or your debt is now her debt. It is, it is our debt. And, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no longer in the Seattle area. But that is where Ellie and I originally got to know each other. Yep. At, at Children's. We we miss Jeremy. Or I miss Jeremy. I don't uh, know who I, he would be. I mean, maybe other people do too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, we, we miss it up there too. Yeah. It's funny because we, we live in the, the, the weather armpit of the South. Um, it's <sighs> literally a heat sink. Uh, where we live in Augusta, and uh, I, I find myself I actually do miss the rain. So yeah, yeah, Trace, when you were talking about visiting Seattle in in April, um, you you can't go around telling people that, man. That's, that's <laughs> why everybody keeps moving there. So, that's true. That is so true. Eleven months of of rain, and it's dreary, and it never gets above fifty degrees. Yeah, <laughs> you get it. Trying to keep living costs down for you guys. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's great out here love it heck yeah it is dope um well if y'all want to steer the the conversation back to uh, an actual question Ellie, <laughs> how do you deal with imposter syndrome oh god uh you know i know this is unpopular but my mom always told me fake it till you make it and i know you know there's like some conflict about that, but it honestly was what got me through um, being a young clinician. And uh, I did not have very strong mentors when I was younger. And so I was very much kind of in it on my own, it felt like. Um, yeah, that, that was a big one for me. Uh, you know, and I think that like, I loved reading research. Like I've always loved it from day one since I started P- being a PT. Um, Research has been what has kept me competent uh, because I didn't have mentors to help me do that. Um, That and to be perfectly real, because of like some of my opinions about things like muscle energy technique, I never felt like I wanted my mentors to influence me in ways that I didn't agree with. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, we all struggle with imposter syndrome and it doesn't matter how experienced you are, you, you have it. Um, and you'll have patients that fail with you in the proverbially um, and patients who do really well. But I think young clinicians are sort of conditioned to think that like you have nothing to bring to the table and it's bullshit. You guys have the most to bring to the table. You're the most well-educated. You're the most present on social media. You know, like, to me, I think, I think like the roles need to be reversed. Like we need to be learning from you even more than um, you're learning from us, especially because as you get older, it's so easy to just get comfy, you know, and fall into your routine and stay there. Slap people in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> I know, I know, Jeremy. That's the stuff. Are you a hip hop fan, Jeremy? I, I I mix it up. Okay. With a little bit of everything. Yeah. Ellie. I mean, yeah, I like hip hop. Uh, could I name people? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> um, I I kind of like the old school '90s hip hop era. Yeah. Um, the classic stuff. Yeah. Whoever's in that. Yeah. What's yeah. your what's your go to workout workout music right now to get you hype? Ooh, good. Ooh. What you playing? Uh, well, I I have a mix on my Spotify and it's kind of all over the place. I've got some country on there. I've got some like old '80s songs, you know, '80s rock. Uh, I've got hip hop. I've got like new indie. I've got pop music. It, it's a little bit of everything. I don't think I have like a particular flavor of music. I, I, yeah, I actually was playing it on Saturday for a group of people and I was like, I'm going to be so embarrassed at some point. Somebody's going to be like, why the fuck is this song? <laughs> this is it was okay. It started off with, with, um, Drake, I think it was one of the first songs. And so it was like, okay, everybody knows Drake. Like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Easily, easy what to about you? Music. Yeah. I, uh, Chance the Rapper has been doing some really cool things out in Chicago for the community. Mm. Being a good ally to the community. And that's how, kind of how that whole question started. Whenever we go to a different Zoom link, we always, I always say we back. And that just, oh, nice. Tyler and I, that, that's a Chance the Rapper yes. cue. Uh, yeah. I'm currently looking up as Ellie's. Oh. I, I'm, I'm thinking this might be her on Spotify. Did you just no. stalk her on Spotify? Did you see my list? Don't go yeah, judging my jams. Is that, you? No, no. is that you? Don't go judging my jams. We got to find no. you now. I got to find which no. face is yours. Are you live? <laughs> myself? Do you have a public account? Yeah, do you have a public account? I don't I know which no one. No clue. Oh, let's find it. That, that, that's it. Yeah, all right. Hoedown. Is it you? Is Adam. It She's saying that's no. not her. Not me. Not her. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not that's her. That's probably not it. No, that's not uh, her. I don't think I don't think we can find her that easy on Spotify. That's all right. Secret. Ah, uh, she won the secret. <laughs> I should look. I should look. See, see, Queen. Queen is on my Spotify. Okay. Uh, let's see. 
go to my my mix. Kendrick Lamar, uh, The Weeknd. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Janelle Monet, Aurora. See, so you, you know the hip hop folks from. Yeah, but see, see, I can't name them. Like, I couldn't have been like, oh, these people. Like, I have to see it. Okay. Borns. Um. Somebody you might like, uh, speaking about body positivity and, and all that kind of stuff, Lizzo. Have you heard of Lizzo? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. on my playlist. Yeah. Duh. My girlfriend's. Cardi B. Cardi B's on. Oh, can't do it. Jeez. I can't roll, I can't roll ours. <laughs> Fuck y'all. God, don't take Spanish Uh Yeah. Beyonce, of course. Mm-hmm. I'll admit, I am like kind of obsessed with Taylor Swift's song. <laughs> I haven't I heard know. of this stuff. I know. That, look what yeah, you made me. I haven't heard it yet either. Yeah, it's good. Um, I can't tell you what it's called, but it's good. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I stand. With if music. you, your practice style, who you are in the physio profession, who would you, who is your equivalent in the music industry of all time? Ooh. Are you the Prince? Ooh. Are you the Taylor Swift of physio? No. No, I. Ooh. That's a tough question. I mean, okay, I think now I try to emulate Beyonce. Oh, Beehive. <laughs> yeah. Slay. Queen. Yeah. Slay, Queen. She's, you know, because she's just like fierce and fiery. Oh, puppies, stop. I need my husband to get, hang on. I'm going to move my dog so they're not wrestling in the background. I, I didn't even hear Come him, but I, I yeah, encourage that sort of behavior. Come we've, on out. <laughs> we've had so many dogs barking on our podcast. That is our own, our own dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's not a problem at all. Yes. Yeah. So, you're the, so you're the Beyonce. Beyonce. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I, I wish I were Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think you know I'm trying to put put a stake in the sand some sometimes with my content, and yeah. I'm very opinionated, and I'm trying to like be be more comfortable vocalizing that, and that's hard to do because you get pushback, and like I get pushback from white dudes all the time, and it's just like you know you you're like you're trying to please everyone even though you're not trying to please everyone, and so. Um, yeah, I just think of white, somebody like Beyonce. White dudes suck. They do. Thank Fuck you. Them. I'll, <laughs> them all. Uh, I've never met a white person. I'm a man like that. I'm joking. Jeremy, you got a question, man? I need to shut up. Oh, man. I was going to answer your question with another question. Um, I could. This could either go. Either. <laughs> so if you could see three musical acts. Not just one solo artist, but acts dead or alive at any point in time. Mm. What would your top three look like? Mm. We can we can we can go across the board. Um, I, Beyonce, I would love to see her, and I haven't seen her yet. Um, and then Queen, Queen would be a big one for me as well. Uh, and probably Elton John or Fleetwood Mac. Ooh, one of those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you you got you do a good Fleetwood Mac impression. Stevie Nicks, baby. I'm just yeah. <laughs> landslide. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
good. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. I've been working on my Stevie Nicks. We could tell. The best. <laughs> you got you got some juice? Do, do you want me to sing? <laughs> Isn't that a song quote? Is that a Lizzo quote? Got the I think juice. It is. Got yeah. the juice. Got the yeah. Juice. yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you, that are you was asking, on my playlist. I have a question. <laughs> was. As oh. a as a as a young white male, I'm just gonna just sit back and just take this all in and take this little learning mode. No, speak on speak on sex. <laughs> oh yes. I think listen, I think here's you're my opinion. The podcast. You can't you can't sit back. <laughs> that's my that's my job is just to to jump in when Jared needs it. Um I know I don't I honestly don't have any uh huge questions pressing at the moment. I don't have anything that provide some great insight okay well i have a question for you because you are a white male (laughs) are a white male that you fair to say you want to be in ellie's position someday yeah 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 i think that'd be pretty cool and for ellie there was a point i know we talk about this with a lot of people where you have to leave the comfort of your stable insurance-based job to make the move to do your own thing i know that that time for Tyler, it might be coming. Yeah. The the big thing soon, for me but... though is is I don't really hate our setting right now. Yeah, I, I don't like, hate it. You either. know, it's it's it. I I I didn't really want it, and then I was like, I hate it. I I, I didn't even want to work for this company. We did the internship, and I would text Jared, and I'd say, "This sucks. Fuck this place." And <laughs> that's then, how we text exactly. And with the the lot of U's and all caps, uh, all caps. And then uh, we, I met the director down here, and then all of a sudden you started working with me. And um, in terms of like burnout and things like that, notes definitely suck. Notes suck, but that's not the end of the world. Um, I don't know. I just I came from a place that waking up at three thirty a.m. three times a week to go teach fitness, and I've kind of had to like hustle for um like clients before and and that sucks god that sucks like putting up a table and you're like hi you wanna <laughs> you wanna uh, my name is tyler i'm ready to work you out um anyhow what i'm leading to is uh i don't hate the place that we're at right now i don't hate it but i do know that you know oh this is this is the big thing this is a more important question that I want to hear what everyone says because I it's in Ellie's thing. Here's some good shit. Here we go. Here's some good shit. Wait, Wayne Gretzky, go where the puck is going. Ah, how? Wh- where's the puck going? Where's right? the puck going, Ellie? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You don't take. Oh, go to where the puck. You Michael can't Scott. deny. Michael exactly, Michael Scott. That's good. That, um, no, that was Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> no, that was Michael Scott. <laughs> No. <laughs> you you can't deny the fact that that it seems that how could you deny the fact that PT isn't going to go to kind of what what Ellie's doing but but maybe more telehealth? Golly, right? Should you be put, should you should we just all be putting our entire eggs all in that basket? That's what I'm doing. Oh. I mean, I'm yes. I'm yes. not I'm not, uh, I don't call what I'm doing telehealth. So the way that my practice works now, and I just started this maybe like mm, four months ago or so. So I get somebody into my clinic and I do the eval and I program for them through a coaching app. 
and give them their home exercise program through a coaching app, interact with them through the app for the next couple of weeks. They follow up with me in like two weeks, making sure the program's working for them, that they like it, that things are progressing. Then I'll do a four week progression from there. Um, my clients are raving about it. They love it. They absolutely love it. It saves them time. It saves them money. Um, it gives them some freedom and independence. They still have access to me when they need me. Um, so is that telehealth? I don't really know. I'm, I'll admit, like, I'm not an attorney. I don't know all the lines here. Um, but I can say that right now, like, that's the route I've been going, and it's working really, really well. Do you think that's sustainable, carrying a heavy load of people, you know? Like, because telehealth, I think, like, you need to reach to more people quicker and easier and better <clears throat> access with people not having to come in. And eventually, I feel like that the load of people, people calling you from India or Malaysia, and do you think you could manage that on a higher volume? Not by myself, no. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not pushing for that type of market right now. Um, you know, the market that I'm seeing is really local, and I want it to be local. Um, yeah, I don't think that I could probably handle that by myself. Um, within the system that I'm operating, there are ways to systematize it and make it more efficient and fluid. And the front end was a lot of, a lot of work. You know, I wanted videos to be all of me. I wanted, um, you know, that was like the main thing. So then you're like taking videos and uploading them into the program. And, um, yeah, so <clears throat> initially it was a lot of front end work. And now, what you can do is you can be like, okay, if I see a runner with knee pain, what are, what are the, mo the exercises that I might give that person? You can turn it into like a program. And for a runner who has knee pain, you could dump it in there and be like, this is the type of program that I give most runners and make changes for each individual. So you can speed it up in certain ways. Um, but I value that time with people. Uh, that's part of why I got into the situation I'm in. You know, I'm not going to, currently not looking to like you know treat malaysia massive yeah <laughs> like, you're huge in malaysia though so big that, yeah i'm not not interested in that yet <laughs> i'm trying to develop my own systems that feel good to be and that work for the patients um, and make their lives easier and so uh, i feel like once i've develop that system a little bit better that's when i'm going to be feeling like ready to expand it yeah. And that definitely sounds future proof, right? That sounds like where the puck is going. Yeah. That perfect blend of hybrid of meat assessment, online, virtual HEP, virtual check-ins, online programming. Yeah. Cost effective. Yeah. It's so cost effective. And time. Time. So once you want, now that you've, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask, do you price that any differently than say if you had somebody in Seattle, Seattle coming to see you on a yeah. bi-weekly basis? Yes. So okay. yeah, they still have to, if they come to see me, you know, they pay a la carte no matter what. Um, if they want the virtual option, they pay extra per week. So um, I'll do up to four weeks of programming and then they pay per week from there. Um, yeah. And then after that four weeks, it's like, you got to follow up with me or you transition into my virtual coaching now. Um, if you're better, if you want, you know, some people just don't want to, which is fine. That's so cool. 
That's so cool. Yeah. Or people are receptive to it. So. It's, oh, it's that's great. A good thing. Like, I mean, it's just, I've been blown away at how receptive they were when I started this. I was like, I don't know if people are going to like this. This is going to be kind of weird and different. You know, it's not traditional physical therapy, um, but they love it. They love it, love it, love it. Um, You know, and I'm definitely a more like, I've always been a more exercise-based PT, like never been very hands-on. And so the programs are more robust that way. You know, they're asking these people to get into the gym if they have gym Mm -hmm. access. They're, you know, I'm being like, do you have access to weights? And trying to design programs that foster that, you know, progressive return to activity. Um, I have, for example, I have a person who's post-op ACL. She's like six months post-op, you know, and then she was like discharged, done. She didn't feel done but we're doing virtual coaching with her programming. She'll check in with me once a month and I provide her with her program and she can touch base with me. Um, it's progressive loading. Um, yeah, it's been great. Heck yeah. Yeah. What coaching app are you using? True coach. True coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True coach. Yeah. I'm, my, my coaching is through true coach too. Yeah. So um, is mine. Yeah. <laughs> what, cool. This what gave me the idea to be honest with you. It was like, I had, you know, my coach was using it. I was like, God, this would be so great if I could use this to my clients, you know, and then you think like, okay, does the app need to be HIPAA compliant? And you, you know, you look at the base of apps that are HIPAA compliant and they're all medical and they like, nobody wants to use a medical oh, app. It's not exciting. It's so not boring. Fun at all. It's so boring. And it's so like straight white dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vanilla. Vanilla. <laughs> yeah so I when I started using it with my coach I was like this is this is the option like why would I try to put my clients in a situation where they're more medicalized by using a medical app like no I'm trying to demedicalize them get them independent autonomous feeling robust and badass on their own um, with some help of course but and when your cash base HIPAA doesn't apply to you, right? Yeah, I'm still gray. Like, God, I've had, I've had an attorney tell me, you know, I'm not a HIPAA covered entity. And then I've had people tell me I am. Um, this comes down to me, communication. It's all about communication with the people I work with, making sure I'm helping them understand where, where are the lines? Where do I stand as a provider? Like, I'm not giving their information away. Is this app HIPAA compliant? No, I'm going to make sure they know that you know, so if they care about it, you know, most people don't really care because you're not putting in, like, I'm not typing their notes in the app. I'm not being like, this is their injury and giving all these personal details. Um, you have to put their name in there and that's like, that's the thing you got to put in. I'm looking to sell all my shit to like Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. In my insurance, in the insurance practice, I'd take everybody's shit. And I walk right down the street, downtown Austin, like, who wants it? <laughs> who wants some pure meta, past medical shit? Mm. Whatever they want. But that's yeah. me. That's where I stand. <laughs> um, Ellie, I don't want to keep you too, yeah. too long. Uh, final wrap-up questions? Uh, Jeremy, I don't want to mess you up because you had a whole list of questions. I want to make sure you got oh, dude, all your uh, that, that was kind of more of a, a guideline to, to refer back to if necessary. Like, yeah. Is this your first podcast, man? 
This is this is the first one with the y'all. Wow. Oh, 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 he threw that oh, y'all in at the end. Had to say one. that. Okay. <laughs> awesome, man. Any any uh, closing remarks, Jeremy? Um, I think the the PT world needs uh, more folks like y'all in it, uh, helping helping newer clinicians and students recognize that uh, there's more to it than than feeling exactly like what we started this conversation with. That we need to fix everybody. Mm-hmm. And that people are way more nuanced than that. So this is a, an excellent platform to have people on, like Ellie, to to Thanks. spread that message. So nice. Thanks, Jeremy. And yeah. People definitely need more Ellie Summers in it. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, I think I just Thanks. want to make one quick comment about this because I think that it highlights to me that that young clinicians are feeling. Um, I don't want to say in distress, but you know, you feel a lot of pressure to, to do it right, to do it perfect, to be amazing right away, um, whatever that is. And I just think like that comes from clinicians being like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And there, to me, that's not serving anybody. Um, we all have our own nuances and how we practice and you're going to find ways that work for you. And I think like as a young clinician, you just have to trust that you're doing the best you can all the time. Um, and you'll fail. I failed plenty of times. So just keep doing it and reach out to people who are going to lift you up and not make you feel like shit in the process. I think we ain't got time to be feeling like shit, man. Right. Too much, too much time feeling like shit. Exactly. Ain't nobody got time for that. True. Yeah. <laughs> True. Trace is good. At, uh, Trace is really good at not making people feel like shit. Yeah, try to just make myself feel like shit when I'm treating them because I have no idea what to do with these people. Oh. Yeah. That's I had the only runner that I've had that was a female coming. She's still uh, in like reserves. She came to me after having a kid fractured her patella while overseas and had knee pain and the imaging all showed all of her arthritis. And I was like, I have no idea what to do with you. There's gotta be someone that can treat you, but it is not me. So naturally I tried to strengthen her hips and worry about, you know, her running cadence and stuff. Cause I had, I don't know what to do. I, I will give you, can I give you a piece of one piece of advice to all of you when working with female clients? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was actually one of my questions. So yes. yes. Um. Okay. Pay her a compliment, and I'm not. I'm not talking like you know you look beautiful today or your body looks nothing like that. It's it's being like your hips are strong. Basic is that. Instead of figuring out what her weaknesses are, find her strengths and point them out to her. That is a game changer. And I'm telling you, like, they haven't gotten it mm. anywhere. So you just make that one little switch and see what it does for building that rapport. And I'm, I'm very confident that it'll help quite a bit. I'll have to give that a shot if she comes back. I'm not confident that she's going to have confidence in me treating her. <laughs> it helps if it's on that first visit too, you know, like 
because they're they're expecting you to pick out all her flaws you're she's expecting you to and she feels like shit like she's just been told a lot of terrible stuff she's expecting to hear everything that's wrong with her and i just like i'm encouraging young people like tell her at least one thing that's right like and make that the focus of your overall session and provide that hope because you know she's feeling hopeless like right now guarantee it Mm. yeah you got your homework cut out for your trace now (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) that's over we're trained to like look for everybody's flaws you know like it takes some training to look for people's strengths um and i think that that is like truly what will set you apart if you're focusing on those other things that are actually their strengths. You can still find the weaknesses for sure. You can find them, know that they're there. You don't have to always tell them, you know? Yeah. So anyway. And to add on that, I have a student uh, who is lady PT coming in um, starting a month. Any, any advice being a, a dude CI treating a dude student yeah those butt slaps you should not slap her butt (laughs) okay i don't know what you mean by a month by the way she's coming in oh i mean like a a week a week (laughs) a couple days (laughs) (laughs) um maybe be know when she starts probably (laughs) yeah that's step number one so i think like same sort of principles apply in any scenario like give her some autonomy, you know? And that is not something that young women are gonna want <laughs> necessarily. So they're gonna, or any young person, it's gonna feel like they're just swimming in the weeds. Um, but really like give her the confidence that she can um, and, and allow her to experiment and explore. Now, granted, who knows what this student is like? I've seen and worked with great students and I've seen and worked with some more that struggle. So, but I think um, giving autonomy is a big piece to like get growing that confidence. And when you have confidence in her to do that, it's a, it's a big deal. seems like, especially do the, the society, um, especially the time we're in politically instilling confidence and strength and especially younger women is probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. Right? whether they're in pain or whether they're trying to find their their career path yeah totally yeah i mean we you know growing up a woman is difficult <laughs> in a lot of different ways there's a lot of conditioning that you're constantly dealing with and trying to figure out how how it came about that you feel so shitty about yourself sometimes <laughs> um, and i know we all feel that way so it's just a matter of like catching where the weeds are and being able to pull out the weeds and plant flowers and watch them grow. Great metaphor. Thanks. Is that a metaphor? It's not a simile. That's a metaphor. I think it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Michael Scott said that one too? No. I do love The Office. Yeah. (laughs) Great show. Great great show. False. The best show. Any closing thoughts on your end, dude? None. 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 Yeah, you, had, you probably had the best question. No, it was like business question. We talked about things that are more important than business. Yeah. <laughs> any, any other closing remarks from Ellie, Dr. Ellie? Thank you so much for, for hopping on and, and flooring us with all this info. 
No, thank you. I really appreciate having the opportunity to exercise some of those, <laughs> some of those thoughts for sure. Yeah. Anytime so you want to, anytime you want to come back, we definitely need to do a part two for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever want to talk, uh, do a second round on like more business specific stuff, that'd be fun too. Heck yeah. Yeah. This first one, we just kind of threw it out there and see where we, where we went. Yeah, it's great. Heck I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks Jeremy for making this happen. I'm, I'm glad that I remembered to send an email <laughs> to connect some people. Yes. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, any, anything to plug? You want to plug a website, Instagram handle? Oh. Uh, yeah, I'll plug my Instagram handle at Dr. Ellie Summers. I'll also plug my course called Managing the Female Athlete, which is going to be in the Boston area, September 14th and 15th. What? Yeah. Um, it was my friend Allison Tinney. It is a course that is like, you know, kind of moving the athlete through the spectrum of return to sport, return to competition. Um, so we have some hard conversations and also have a lot of fun lifting weights and stuff. Uh, it's a great course, super fun. And um, we offer student discount and we also have it on sale right now. So what? Yeah. You coming to Austin anytime soon? We haven't been to a place for us. I'm sure we'd be interested. Yeah. We got to look, we got, we got to, we got to stay in contact about that. Yeah. Yeah. Look you up in the gym or clinic. Yeah. Just let me know. Yeah. Connections. <laughs> thank you so much dr ellie thank you i really appreciate it it was fun to chat with you guys have a good night thank you. Music. we like this cow. <laughs>